Welcome to this special episode of Frequency Matters, the RF and microwave update series. I'm Eric Hyam, and I'm talking with Eric Olson of MiniCircuits. Eric is the global market manager for MiniCircuits, where he leads the company's marketing strategy for the aerospace and defense and satellite businesses. Now, Eric and I go way back, and Eric's been on the show before, but it's been about two years. So welcome back, Eric, and it's good to catch up with you. Uh, so last time you were on with us, you talked about growth in the market for commercial satellite services or new space. Uh, maybe you can start us off by commenting on how you've seen that develop in the last couple of years. Sure. Um, well, I think generally speaking, the market has lived up to its expectations. Uh, I think today we have a very healthy ecosystem. Um, made up of some long-established players, some some names that that you would recognize. We also have some new players that are finding some interesting gaps in in the current service offering to kind of pry their way into the market. I think we're also seeing some nation states who are investing to provide enhanced capabilities to what they already have, such as as boosting critical infrastructure. There have been certainly some technical and financial hurdles in the past couple of years. Um, each each of the companies that are, are are sort of participating today have had their share of challenges, but but I think in overall the industry has done pretty well. I think you know increasing competition is a good thing. Uh, we'll need to see how the economics work out as as uh, competition really sets in uh, between each of the service providers. Um, I think the good news is that demand for the, the the hardware, the systems, the RF payloads is quite robust. And that's a, that's an excellent place for people like mini circuits as hardware providers to be as as this market really represents uh, excellent growth opportunities for us. You know one interesting development that I've noticed uh, is the de-risking of more traditional communication systems, both in consumer and national defense interest. With a, when, when you have a system of only three geostationary satellites, no matter how powerful they are, it's easy to impact a very large footprint of customers or military capabilities should one of those satellites be affected. And so governments around the world recognizing this vulnerability are developing their own dispersed capabilities. But they're also leveraging commercial assets and, and, and building relationships with the service providers to enhance and protect their existing infrastructure, as well as planning for the future infrastructure needs. These are just a few of the developments that I've noticed over the past couple of years. Thank you. Uh, and how are you seeing these trends bear out in the specific requirements that you're seeing from customers? Well, the economics and system design for these commercial services is driving a different model. And, and really that's from beginning to end. And most service providers are planning today or or, or in, in the future um, to operate constellations in low Earth orbit. And this really has the biggest impact on the requirements, the, the technical requirements, uh, due you know, primarily to the lower environmental stress of these systems, but also due to some of the other um, costs that are borne out in, in these low Earth orbit systems, just 
you know, again, by virtue of um, more simplified uh, deployments. Mission lifetimes are generally shorter, though not, you know, exclusively um, for, for this class of, of services. Um, but that also, that lower mission time or shorter mission time is also reducing the environmental stress. The result is that system designers can now use more commercial grade components with little or no component level qualification requirements above commercial off the shelf. There is, of course, higher uh, qualification being done at the at the subsystem or or even at the system level, but the nature of these low Earth orbit systems is giving designers more flexibility to choose some of these, uh, you know, commercial off the shelf products. For the operators of the more traditional geo satellites, the need for long life, high reliability, uh, really is the key requirement um, for all the electronics. These are very capable, large payloads um, with expected long lifetimes, and um, and so you know the the need for reliability is is critical. And all, although cost pressures are increasing as they always are. Um, the need for mission lifetimes and, and the reliability over that mission lifetime means you know, more traditional higher qualification standards for the electronics. Great, thank you. And what's MiniCircuits doing to respond to these new customer needs? Well, MiniCircuits has always had a, uh, a flexible approach to supporting our space payload customers. Um, Although the industry relies on many of the same established standards and requirements, our experience has borne out that really there's no two customers and no two systems that we've worked with that apply those standards and requirements in the same way. And ultimately that just comes down to the mission set. Um, the mission is the, is the driving force and, and that has a huge impact on you know, what is required ultimately at the component level. So for many circuits, uh, and in recognizing this this need to be um, sensitive to the mission and, and to the, the uniqueness of each customer has has tried to be as flexible as possible to to meet those requirements. And we have developed a standard set of technology specific process flows, which are based on these industry standards. Uh, and where those standards were lacking or 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 not available, we have developed, uh, a process flow based on customers' feedback and their needs and understanding the mission sets. But even as though, even as these are standard flows, um, we also recognize again that the mission requirement is the driving force, and therefore we need to be able to respond to that mission requirement. And uh, our process has been developed to be as easily modifiable as possible to meet these unique needs. And as we've seen the industry adopt less demanding requirements, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we've also adapted our processes, again, to, to be as flexible as possible. Uh, most recently, we have created a, a separate PEM-specific process flow to help address um, those, those uh, systems um, where the customers are looking for really a pure cost solution with minimal, minimal, if any, qualification requirement. With, with many new entrants into the market, uh, one of the things that we've seen is that they don't all have this that depth of corporate knowledge uh, and breadth of, of corporate knowledge and heritage of some of the established players. And while this is often seen as a positive attribute uh, in that they are not burdened with the old ways and old perspectives and old frames of reference, it also means that they may not always 
uh, have the full understanding of how the requirements ultimately affect the operating conditions and and the and the qualification requirements uh, <clears throat> down to that end product. So while we have a standard process and standard way of working with our customers, we find that one of the key things that Mini Circuits brings to the table is that we work very closely with them to make sure that there is a, a good match between the requirements and the testing that's being asked and the qualification schedule that's being asked. So to make sure that they're not getting overly qualified or worst case underqualified uh, product. Um, and, and again, the, the key here is matching capability to the mission set to guarantee that mission success. Interesting and all good insights there. Uh, obviously, this has been and, and will continue to be a very exciting and fast-moving segment of the market. Uh, what other drivers do you see influencing the development of the space and satellite industry uh, looking ahead to the next few years? Well, I'd like to say I have a crystal ball, but uh, but uh, those are hard to find these days. Um, I would say that today, from my perspective, the race is to get the constellations established. Um, and, and for the service providers, it is about delivering that service and generating the recurring revenue that they need in order to recover the, the very large upfront investments that they've made. So speed for sure is a key today. Um, system cost, always an important factor, but at the moment I would say speed is the dominant requirement uh, in order to get these services up and running. One expected uh, trend is, is getting greater attention um, is the environmental impact. Um, you know, just the, some of the simple uh, examples of the of the impacts of of the high quantity of launches and and satellites being put into orbit is, is things like the exhaust of the launch vehicles, or the radio and uh, light pollution impacts on the sensitive scientific satellites, but also on the Earth stations. Um, there's also the growing orbital pollution and managing that space debris. Uh, which is getting more and more difficult as as uh, more and more satellites are put into space, and and um, you know we do have um, you know just the normal uh, space uh, uh, debris that that is also uh, coming from meteors and so forth. So I I would say that we're seeing some benefits from you know a, some forward thinking, like the reuse of the launch vehicles. I think that's been a very positive impact. Um, I should. I, I sort of suspect that in the future we're going to see more progress on national and international regulations, and these regulations um, I think will be a balancing force, uh, which may dampen some future constellations, as as we try to come to grips with the environmental impact of of all these satellites. Um, and I think as the industry matures, as an example, you might see that you know throwaway satellites may no longer be justified or viable as, as an, an approach to, to delivering these services. And so again, more thought might have to be put in for, for these environmental concerns. I would also say, you know, because you know, I think to, in a sense you know, quite obvious here, space is no longer dominated by government and scientific interests alone. Um, in the past, there were fewer deployments, there were fewer players, and therefore it was far easier to self-regulate. And, and interference was less of an issue just because there was less hardware to, to have to deal with. 
But that's not the case today and certainly won't be the case tomorrow, especially with you know the, the, the significant number of private investors that can now afford to deliver the scale of systems that we see today. And, I, and again, that are on the drawing board for tomorrow. Um, I, I do envision that there will be a growing need um, for the global space community to get together and, and come to an agreed upon set of, of um, rules or rules of engagement uh, for future deployments. So I, I guess in a simplified view uh, of the industry today, I'd say one key attribute is be fast now, right? Move quickly, make mistakes, learn quickly. Um, as we progress forward, deal with the environment, and uh, I'm sorry, the in industrial and government regulations, and uh, really foster that collaboration with industry between the between government and and uh, commercial um, interests. How will all, this all pan out? Well, again, I think it's a little too early to tell. Um, this market, although established back in the 50s, you know, with the first launches uh, of uh, of satellites is still a relatively nascent market, at least the, the dynamics of the market today with these large-scale deployments. And so the dynamics of service, economics, um, geopolitical regulations, which are to come, and answering the simple question, does this all make sense, will undoubtedly impact future systems and, and the way we deploy these systems. The one thing I can say with some confidence is for many circuits, our plan is clear. Um, we aim and continue to aim to be the preferred vendor for RF solutions, de delivering the high performance products and, uh, that our customers need and want uh, to meet the evolving upscreening requirements and always to exceed our customers' expectations. Already great. Thanks, uh, Eric. That was excellent insights. And uh, thanks for speaking with me today. Sounds like you and many circuits are doing some really interesting things in that segment. So uh, best of luck with those efforts, and we'll be looking forward to upcoming announcements. Uh, and to our audience, you can find more videos at videos.microwavejournal.com. And thanks for watching.